everyone, my name is Phaedra and I'm the founder of So What Media. You may have noticed that we decided to discontinue our podcast in order to focus our efforts on other content we felt would be more impactful. But I couldn't pass up the opportunity to share a conversation I had with Diana Yoon, the 24-year-old candidate for the Toronto riding of Spadina Fort York in the upcoming election. In early August, before the election cycle began, she and I talked about what inspired her to run, what the actual steps are to run for office, what she thinks are the most important issues for young people this election, and more. But before we get into that, I wanted to invite you to subscribe to our newsletter, which we, you can do on our website. So What Media sends out a twice-weekly newsletter on Monday and Thursday, breaking down a few major political headlines. Our newsletters do not include jargon, but they definitely include memes. During this election campaign, we'll also be including a snapshot of the polls, courtesy of the CBC's poll tracker. Head to www.sowetmedia.ca and click on newsletter to subscribe. You can also find us on Twitter and on Instagram. This election is like no other because for the first time, young voters between the ages of 18 and 34 make up the largest voter block. That means that if we turn out to vote, we can swing the election in our favor. But I don't want you to vote because it's what you should do. I want you to vote because you deserve to have your voice heard. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Diana. Firstly, who is Diana Yoon and how did you end up becoming the NDP candidate for Spadina Fort York in our upcoming federal election? Hi, my name is Diana Yoon, and I'm a climate justice activist. I'm a community organizer here in Toronto, and I became the NDP candidate for Spadina Fort York in June. So, you know, I've been a climate activist for nearly a decade of my life, and I'm only 24. And I think as more and more, it was being, you know, it was really climate, the climate crisis was on people's radar. It was, you know, I work at the city of Toronto at an agency working in climate change. And I think every day I was kind of feeling like, I love this work. This is the work I want to do. And this is increasingly, you know, what people care about. But the political will just isn't high enough. And, you know, we need to shift (laughs) just the political leadership a little bit. Um, a kind of transformational change is actually what we need from our politicians and what we're getting right now is really incremental change. So I think when I started, you know, having some of these conversations, I've, I've been kind of part of the NDP for the last, you know, year and a half, two years, because I did see kind of party politics and electoral politics as like a vessel for change, you know, and it was something that I I like campaigns. And so I kind of knew the right people. And I think when I I was asked in January if I would consider running in this federal election, and I said, like, oh, like, maybe in like five or 10 years, (laughs) but like, definitely not now, you know, and I think the more I started to have those conversations where it was like, what, who am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? You know, when this election is so much, like so much more than ever before going to be about the climate crisis, about Green New Deal-esque, you know, policies, 
when this is the work that I've done both as an activist, as a climate solutions expert at the city of Toronto, you know, it, even at my age, I know way more about the climate crisis and about climate solutions than most politicians, right? And I think that's really where it started to click for me was that both, you know, I fit the the urgency I saw the urgency and the reality of the issues of our lives you know whether that's the lack of affordable housing whether it is the climate crisis you know I really did feel like young people were and and you know black indigenous people of color we were most disproportionately impacted by the issues of our time and you know, I wanted to advocate on our behalf instead of, you know, hoping that one day political will would shift. So, you know, it wasn't an easy decision, but it was definitely interesting and I I don't regret it. And so I'm really excited for the upcoming months ahead. And we've been going full swing for a while. So, you know, I I feel like this is definitely something that regardless of win or lose, I, you know, I've had pretty clear intentions around, you know, wanting to bridge grassroots activism and electoral politics since the beginning, you know, to really kind of bring the conversation about the climate crisis right here to downtown Toronto. You know, those are things that I've pretty clearly set out for myself. So yeah, that's why I'm the candidate. (laughs) That's so awesome. And I know you've been involved with the campaign to push for the CBC to have a climate change debate once um, it's debate time during the federal election. Obviously speaking to the whole grassroots thing and pushing for the leaders to start taking this thing seriously. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think that a lot of for a lot of Canadians, you watch leaders debates right and the leaders and their opinions and their platforms that is really influential for how a lot of people vote and I think it is really 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 critical that we know from every single party leader that you know we understand that one do they have a plan two is that plan more than just the status quo and three you know does it really include things like an equity lens right so you know any climate action that we take needs to really think about you know how does this impact indigenous communities you know first nations and native communities how does it impact you know low-income tenants right like there's a number of ways that you can approach climate action i really really believe in an equity approach to climate action and a just transition and so I I don't believe that, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla will solve the climate crisis. <laughs> I think many of our politicians think that that is one way of, you know, getting past climate catastrophe, but it doesn't improve the inequalities in our society. So I don't think that that's sufficient either, right? It's, we live in a time of intersecting crises. And so we have to, you know, tackle them all. Mm-hmm. Getting back to you running as a 24-year-old, so for many, if not most, of our peers, politics rather seems inaccessible. In conversations with my peers, I've heard things like, 
you know, that's something my dad does, or it's for old white men slash old white people, or Mm -hmm. nothing ever changes through politics anyway. And that's often in defense of not voting or not knowing what's going on in our politics. Actually running for office isn't a class all on its own. Um, Can you break down step by step really just what the process is to run for office, like tangibly, like you have to file papers and like that sort of thing? Yeah, totally. So uh, for me to be nominated as the NDP candidate for the federal election, I had to first go through, you know, what party will I run for? And so you can run as an independent. Elections Canada kind of is very, you know, they have a candidate hotline, which I did call once, you know, and they talk you through some of your options. They talk you through questions you might have but really the nomination process um, should be pretty similar per party but I think that's really you know for federal and provincial politics picking the party and then thinking about you know the, the riding right so probably where you live or where you work or where you grew up whatever you know whatever makes the most sense for you and I think from there you know the the nomination process can be a number of different things for me so i filled out uh the ndp has like a nomination package for any potential candidates i had to write out you know every every social media <laughs> i've had in the last 10 years you know tumblr pinterest <laughs> including you know yeah. the ones i use on my everyday life like like Twitter and Instagram and you know we also had to write any criminal charges we had we had to write you know a number of different just like it's a full questionnaire and it was pretty comprehensive um so that they can vet you and so I don't know what the vetting process is like for other parties but I know that for the NDP it can take anything from a few weeks to a few months so I think, you know, that's something that I didn't really know, like that it would take, you know, it would take a significant amount of time. So that, you know, that's something where I I started and I filled out that package in March and my nomination meeting was in June. Um, the other reason for that, my nomination meeting. So originally I was, I, I believed for like two months that I was in a contested nomination. So Someone else had filled in their package as well and wanted to seek the nomination to become the candidate. Uh, They withdrew a week before the uh, nomination contest for personal reasons. And so it was like a whirlwind that last week to be like, oh, I will just be like appointed the candidate. But that nomination contest is also, you know, a, a a beast of its own it's you know making sure that people in the riding you know residents NDP members are yeah so you they have to sign up to be members of the NDP 30 days before this meeting is held so that they're eligible to vote I think provincially the rules are different but for federal it so you know it was even before the meeting was publicized anywhere I had to recruit as many people as I could to uh, joined the NDP, which is, you know, a $5 cost for 
students for seniors uh, for you know underemployed folks but like 25 for a lot of other people so you know it is an ask right and so mm -hmm. things like that where I I did recruit you know dozens and dozens of people to join the membership and really because it's that one day where the nomination meeting is held it's pretty hard to know you know who will show up <laughs> will you win right mm -hmm. but I was appointed I was appointed so that's really the the main process because kind of after that meeting there's just a lot more there's like paperwork there's finding an office you know I think the biggest thing for me was I had a good sense of what my team would look like you know from my campaign manager to my chief financial officer I think that especially as a young woman I really did feel like you know and especially with kind of my other goals around like being able to you know connect this to grassroots activism it was important for me to have a team that understood how elections campaigns ran you know, mm -hmm. who had been involved in election campaigns and was really a, a foundational support system for me. You know, I think that you can run without really, really experienced campaign teams. But for me, that was something that I I really felt was important so that this, would, this process would feel manageable and not, you know, overwhelming, right? And I think mm -hmm. especially, you know, with the uphill battle of, trying to unseat an incumbent MP I you know I didn't want to just feel like we were learning the ropes as a team you know there were many things that I had to learn as a candidate but I feel like I've had a really really strong support system and so I think that's you know part of the process too right is really knowing you know who is going to play what roles on your team because I think as an individual you cannot run a campaign it's not about you know so much of politics feels like it's about the individual person but it's really a collective effort and it's a collective effort that has to agree on like you know the values the message the the goals right and so yeah I feel like you know that was really really crucial for me mm -hmm. Um, this next question is a little bit long-winded, so <laughs> bear with me. Mm -hmm. um, so this election is going to be the first election where millennials make up the majority of eligible voters. That presents a bit of a predicament to politicians for two reasons. One, even though millennials have improved in terms of turning out to vote, on average, baby boomers still show up to the voting booths at higher rates than millennials. And two, the issues that millennials and boomers care about are vastly different. According to a Deloitte survey, the most salient issues for millennials are things like climate change, income inequality, unemployment. And on average, millennials tend to be more progressive while still feeling increasingly uneasy and pessimistic about the world around us. With this in mind, how does someone running for office or a whole party figure out its platform and messaging? Totally. So, you know, for me, this riding of Spadina Fort York is actually... Uh, really fascinating. Its median age is 32 years old. You know, there are statistics that show that 70% of the riding is between 18 and 34. So, you know, that significantly changes 
how I approach this, right? You know, most ridings across Canada are closer to, you know, 30% like young eligible voters. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for this, like really, really the most downtown Toronto riding, you know, I, that really did factor into, you know, why I wanted to do this, right? I think that what you raise, you know, both being more progressive, you know, having these these salient issues in mind, like climate change and income inequality, you know, those are things that I think about every day. But I also, you know, I, I do often, you know, hear that young people and millennials are apathetic, that, you know, young people don't vote, right? And so for me, it really, really is about, you know, how can I be an active contrast to the incumbent? And so, you know, for the issues that we care about, you know, what motivates people to vote, and I think we saw this in the last federal election in 2015, is that young people vote if they really, really think that it will make a difference, right? And so, you know, if the top two candidates in a riding, you know, me and the incumbent, they, we are both talking about climate change and it doesn't sound that different, you know? How does that motivate someone to vote? If that's, Mm -hmm. and I think that's really where I'm trying to, think about you know the the messaging i think the platform the ndp platform is quite you know i think it has a lot of detail i think it is really comprehensive you know i really appreciated the you know ability of the ndp platform to link its climate platform to inequality right so our you know our climate platform is called power to change uh, climate action and good jobs and that encompasses, you know, these issues, right? It's because the reality is, is that there is so much anxiety about the future. And so, and that does stem from, you know, this looming fear about climate catastrophe, but also because, you know, the rising cost of living, you know, the rising cost of housing in the city, especially, you know, that is pushing people out of neighborhoods and, and homes and and then you know that does speak to more and more people are working in the gig economy working jobs contract to contract and aren't unionized right like don't have long-term stable jobs i have not had a union job you know i have had i have gone contract to contract i have had years when i did not have health benefits you know and and this is you know what i thought I was willing to go through so that I could work in for environmental nonprofits and work in climate change. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's, it does really encompass that people, you know, I think young people and millennials do really, really care about making a difference. And so, you know, the way that I think, you know, politics has to engage young people is different. You know, I think that we have to think about, how, you know, if if people are pessimistic about politics, why, right? It's largely, I think, because they don't feel like politicians represent them, don't, you know, know what they're going through, you know? So I talk about, I'm a renter, you know? I've lived in apartments with bed bugs and, 
you know, leaky ceilings because that's what I could afford, you know, when I think especially in downtown Toronto, income inequality, you know, and the rising cost of living is really linked to the lack of affordable housing in the city. You know, so many people are paying more than 50% of their income on rent. Mm -hmm. I think that that's completely unacceptable. And so that, you know, those are the conversations I'm having at the door when people show me the mold in their hallway, when people tell me, you know, how they've, you know, fought their landlord on above guideline rent increases, but have lost, right? And they've stayed because that's still what they could afford. And I think, you know, being relatable, being, you know, but like not in a shallow way, like just Mm -hmm. really deeply, you know, I think that that authenticity is so, so crucial, right? And so, you know, I the things of the NDP platform that I emphasize the most are the ones that I have lived experience in, you know, the ones that I really feel like, you know, are real to what I care about, what I want to advocate for if I'm the member of parliament in First Spadina Fort York. So, you know, my values have stayed the same for a long time. It shouldn't change because I'm running for office, right? And, you know, with that, I do think about, you know, how can I engage, you know, older folks in the writing as well. But I think my focus has largely been on, you know, young people. You know, part of my run is to make this more accessible for the vast majority of people who live in Spadina, Fort York, you know, Mm -hmm. to reach the people in condos and vertical communities. Like I have never lived, you know, in the years I've lived in a condo, no one has knocked, no politician has knocked on my door, right? Like you get lit drops, but you know, we're knocking on condo doors and (laughs) we're, we're doing lit drops too, but I'm, you know, dropping flyers and pamphlets, Mm -hmm. but you, you know, it is really, I'm going to dog parks, I'm going to playgrounds. Uh, and, you know, I posted on my Instagram, I went to a concert recently. You know? <laughs> it's both like, hey, I'm, a, I'm still a normal human being. I just like really deeply care about the future and I want you to as well. So awesome. Switching gears a little bit, but on yeah, a similar totally. vein, um, the hashtag not so equal voice was trending last week and I saw on your Twitter feed that you donated to the GoFundMe setup in support mm-hmm. of those women whose jobs were terminated at equal voice. Do you have any <laughs> further comments? I you know, I was I was at a dinner with Arazu who was sharing the fundraiser yesterday. She's part of the Young Women's Leadership Network and we talked about it a little bit. I really think that, you know, I've been part of diversity and inclusion initiatives and you know I'm I'm queer I'm a woman of color and I really you know I think it's it is it's straining the emotional burden of trying to you know improve our a workplace that you know doesn't really understand why diversity is important sucks right and I think that you know I really do stand in solidarity with uh, women who were fired I think that it's important that we, you know, call to light and, you know, hold accountable organizations that, you know, say they care about, you know, diversity and inclusion, but can't 
live it internally, right? I think that, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk is more important. I also think, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, but I'm the only woman who is running in Spadina Caribbean. You know, I'm up against all men. And Mm -hmm. in this riding, you know, the member of parliament, the member of provincial parliament, and the city councillor, you know, our boundaries are the same now. Uh, They're all white men. So, you know, as much as (laughs) some of them are progressive, I think that, you know, that's something that I don't think is really okay. You know, we live in downtown Toronto. We live in one of the most diverse writings in the whole country. You know, that that really, I think, does enforce this idea of what you were saying earlier, you know, that this is why, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people of color, a lot of young people, a lot of women see politics as like something that is inaccessible for them. I think that, you know, it's important to challenge uh, these power dynamics to think about, you know, why is the status quo like this? I grew up in Mississauga where, you know, it was predominantly people of color and city council was also very white, you know, but I think it's starting to improve. It's starting to change, I would say, you know, and as it changes, I think we still have to interrogate, you know, so like with equal voice, when there are initiatives that prop up all women, but don't think about, you know, the additional barriers that, you know, women with disabilities, women, you know, queer LGBTQ to women face, you know, women of color face, then does that also just perpetuate, you know, further whiteness, right? Does that support white women more? And so I think that those are things that we really need to examine, to critically analyze. And and that's, that's why I support the Not So Equal Voice campaign. And, you know, I think that we need to do a better job of examining uh, these forces that be in all of our institutions. Mm-hmm. You touched on this a little bit, but who should run for office? What's your advice to someone who thinks they might be good at it and has maybe considered it, but still finds it to be something they'll maybe do, quote unquote, one day? You know, I came to this decision to run for office because I've been a climate activist for nearly a decade of my life right and so this is something that I really felt like you know I was deeply connected to you know climate activists here in Toronto and across the country I've been you know increasingly you know as someone who lives in downtown Toronto I've I've had to think about you know affordable housing I've known so many people who have been renovated by their landlords, you know, who have moved out of the city because they couldn't afford it anymore, you know, and I, I think really, I think, you know, this is the kind of lived experience that I think that you need, you know, it doesn't need to be decades and decades of, you know, being an executive at a company or, you know, doing you know, feeling like you have the prestige or the qualifications to be a politician. I think it is fundamentally, you know, if you feel like, what are, you know, if someone asks, like, why are you running? If you feel like you have a clear and compelling answer that is connected to movements on the ground, 
I think that that, you know, that's great. You know, I really do think that part of, you know, I think that electoral politics, you know, running as a candidate, this campaign is one tactic out of, you know, a number of things that we need to have, you know, societal transformation. I think that for me, you know, it was really about what are the conversations that we're going to have about the climate crisis in this federal election? Do I want it to be about the carbon tax every day? No. It's one drop in the bucket of the scale <laughs> of, you know, suite of actions that we need to take, right? So that's, you know, th- that those were some of the conversations that I had going into this. And I think that, I think if you, you think you might be good at it, you know, I would still fight back a little bit. You know, I think, are you really connected (laughs) to movements on the ground, right? I think that, you know, a lot of change happens with, you know, demands from external groups, right? From activists who are pushing for change and then have the politicians on the inside, the champions who are able to, you know, take those demands and move them into motions and policy, right? I think for, you know, election platforms. I saw that, you know, even with the NDP platform, we have now put in our climate platform that we're, you know, we would support municipalities if they wanted to go to free free public transit. And that's not saying that we would mandate free public transit across Canada, but it would we would start, you know, if municipalities wanted it. And, you know, the city of Victoria has had that conversation, you know, the federal government would invest. And mm-hmm. that's important. But I think, you know, that didn't come out because <laughs> the NDP just thought, hey, this is a great idea. I think it happened because, you know, fundamentally, you know, people in the city of Victoria I was with uh, Victoria City Councilor Sharmar Kejival. He was visiting Toronto last week, and he was saying that it was really, really, you know, the Victoria city citizens were pushing for it. They wanted free public transit as you know an equity, uh, you know, a transit equity action as you know something that would improve their cost of living, as something that would solve the climate crisis, right? And so. And because of that, now it's part of the federal NDP platform. And I think Mm -hmm. that following, you know, those, you know, how does change happen? How do, you know, how do policy decisions, um, where do they come from? You know, I think that that's something that I am really, really interested in. And I think that more and more, you know, I don't want career politicians in politics. I don't want people who are like bored with their law careers and think, hey, I should run, (laughs) you know, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm sure the people around them have often told them like how great of a politician they would be, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what makes that, you know, what, what characteristics make someone good at being a politician, right? I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, what we're seeing is that I'm, you know, when I knock on doors every day, I want to listen to people. I want to hear their stories, you know? I think that, you know, this is, I really like door knocking. (laughs) And those are, I think, you know, getting a sense of, you know, do you like campaigns? Do you like the life? I think that's Mm -hmm. important. 
Um, but I think, you know, what it really comes down to is the issues and the values that you hold, what makes this worthwhile, what makes this, you know, worth waking up to every day. My campaign team has told me that I will be working like 12 hour days for mm -hmm. at least six weeks straight during the election period. You know, I'm ready for that. Right. But mm -hmm. I'm doing it because I have really, really clear goals of, you know, things like, you know, amplifying the a federal leaders debate on the climate crisis, you know, things like supporting, you know, where we can things like free public transit in Toronto, which is mm -hmm. a huge deal, right? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and so I think these are the con you know, these are these are really the issues that hold me accountable, that hold me grounded. And I think that that's important for anyone who is considering running. I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I know you have an event to run to as well. Yeah, um, but I wanted yeah, to thank you for great. taking the time to share your insights and just like be totally candid and open and also just for running. Like it's so, ugh, it's so inspiring and just great <laughs> when I get to not only hear about, but like talk to young women who are deciding to run and like not, obviously it's great to run in local politics too, but to run for a federal seat is really, really cool. So I really wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much, Phaedra. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing the work you do. And, you know, it was, it was my, my pleasure to, to talk to you and I'm looking forward to how it turns out. Thanks for listening. Remember to head to our website at www.soamedia.ca to sign up for a twice-weekly newsletter. Have a great weekend.